Howdy, howdy, Cable Smith, welcoming each and every one of you into episode 149 of Justified Pursuit. Thank you so much for being here today. Riding shotgun, as always, the good counselor, Chisholm Cook. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Looking forward Excellent. to uh, some more deer hunting this weekend. Yeah. Shot a booner. The kid shot a booner on Saturday. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Life's good, man. Hoping for some more rain around here. That's can awesome. Can you hear me? Is everything working okay? Uh-huh. Video feed. I can hear you. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Video uh, I did want to... We, uh... I didn't want... Are you okay? Is your audio... What's going on here? My audio is fine. Right? We're off to a great start. My audio is fine. The video seems okay. a little glitchy. Well, then... Uh, did you did you notice that we skipped episode one forty seven? No, I didn't double check the numbers. <laughs> I know. Starting over. <laughs> we went straight from one forty six to one forty eight. So this is uh, oh, yeah, this is one forty nine. Uh, maybe if we made some money or uh, invest a lot of extra energy into this thing, we'd get the proper show number. But uh, we'll take a free show. So yeah. Uh, right also. Let's get into how a narcissistic a-hole finds out who wants the who who won the World Series. That's you, by the way. You're listening to last week's show on Thursday. The Rangers won the World Series. No, you're listening, I guess. Yeah, th- what is that? Uh the day it dropped Thursday. You're listening yeah. Friday. You're listening on Friday. Maybe it was Friday. Yeah. And the Rangers won the World Series Thursday night. And you're like, oh, huh. I didn't know they I didn't know they won. Yeah, cable splice. You're such a big sports fan. (laughs) We recorded on the night, the day of the the clinching game, and then you spliced in the front end how this whole conversation is moot because your your Rangers won the World Series, and that was when I found out. So, congrats, I guess. I don't know why that makes me a narcissistic a hole, but no, you're you're self admitted narcissist because you go back and listen to all the shows and pick them apart. All right. The a-hole was just my own added flair. I just added on to the description for you. Guilty. So, so I'm correct on all counts. <laughs> Seems to be. <laughs> Laissez-faire sports fan, narcissistic, and a-hole. Hey, you know what? At least you're our okay. a-hole, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, yeah, hey, the Rangers are World Series champions. You have so much crow to eat, but it's you don't really care, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but you were sure talking a lot of smack back in August when the Rangers blew that three or four game lead in the division twice. And here we are world series champions, demolishing the Astros four games at whatever your dump of a stadium is. I don't even remember. Uh, do you remember when they had the freaking flagpole out in center field? That was dumb. That was the stupidest. They had a hill and a flag, literally a flagpole in dead center field. The players just. I mean, just have to navigate around a flagpole in center field. Stupid. Stupid stadium. Stupid team. And they have been dethroned. Well, this has been fun. Okay. Uh, I'm really having a blast. So (laughs) I'm glad that you are as well. Let's talk about... Well, let's let's talk about deer hunting. And my, my deer hunting story is very short. It was terrible. It was the worst opening weekend I've ever had. Didn't see one deer. All I saw was a bunch of fog, and it sucked. Your turn. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was better. Um, yeah. 
my mine mine was better than that. So when do you want to do this? Uh, no, we're not going to do that. I'm not, we're going to have. We're going to. So we, I was talking about having Chisholm on the the outdoor podcast, which he's been on various times over the years, but I don't think we have enough time. Like I w- I needed one segment, and you and I can't just talk for fifteen minutes. So I'd rather just do like a whole show. We talk okay. all kinds of stuff. So got it. We'll do Love that it. instead. Yeah. Okay. Um. Then I won't get in too far of the backstory. Our listeners. Well, you gave the backstory last week, right? I mean, do we talk about that about this buck that the buck we were going after? Sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, so we we've, we've watched him. This would be two years for sure now. Um, and I say that just because I bet I saw him in the years prior, but last year he blew up into an unrecognizable, beautiful, typical twelve point. Hmm. Um, this year he added some additional length and mass, and um. Had a conversation with Four Star about this buck and another 12 point, both of which are mature harvesting, you know, ready to harvest bucks past their breeding prime. I kind of thought the one Riley shot was a year younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but Clay and my dad both felt like he was as old, if not maybe the older of the two, either way. Do you think harvesting is a weird word to use for killing? Like, it's is, called we're killing. Not farming. We're not doing harvesting corn. Well, I mean, when you're raising bucks and watching them for years and feeding them and stuff, I mean, I get it. I get it. Maybe slaughtering it seems is like it's word. just <laughs> slaughtering. I don't know. I, I I caught myself, and the only reason why I asked you is because I caught myself saying that word last week on my on my show. I was like, wait a second, we're just we're killing them. We're not harvesting. Harvesting makes me think that we're planting crops. I don't know. Uh, it's a euphemism that's definitely intended to soften them what's actually happening. And right. as we've actually talked about this, I have no problem saying what it actually is, which is killing. At the same time, my primary motivation, and you know, I think at least half of your motivation is feeding the family. Uh-huh. Um, is it fun to kill big, giant antler deer along the way to do so? Absolutely. Do oh, they taste 100%. just as good? Damn right they is do. Is it even Anybody? more rewarding when you have a good management plan in place and it all comes to fruition? thousand percent that's right i also was talking to a guy at deer camp this week chisholm and he said the price of beef is about to go through the roof so shoot a lot of deer this year there you go Mm. um yeah so so we had this buck um dad looked at the two and he said kill the one you were targeting let's let the other one go he's he had called that buck three years ago and said he'd let it die in the field although so so he's gonna shoot it no he was gonna let it (laughs) die in the field However, he did say at the end of this weekend, let's get through the rut and we may harvest LA to harvest kill, whatever. Right. Uh, so there's been some some uh, softening in his position on that. I think he does realize that buck ain't, if he breeds a doe this year, it will be one and that's the last one he'll ever breed. I don't I think he's past that. But either way, in all, so the, Riley and Charlotte have killed three quality mature bucks between them in the last three seasons, I guess. Mm. And I think we've averaged at least 10 sits might be 12 or 14 to for on those three deer. Like we have had to sit and hunt them because mature deer, um, our rut starts around Thanksgiving. It peaks mid December, December 15th. Right. But mature like bucks, one thing us. I've do what you're like a month behind most, right. Of, a month behind most, states. most of the rest of deer hunting really. Yeah. Uh, like in my neighborhood, they are, they are already on the t- tail end of the first rut. They have, I mean, I'm two and a half hours North of our property, and they've been full bore rutting for three solid weeks around here. Um, what I've gotten to learn over seven years of managing this property 
is your mature bucks, meaning five and a half years or older, they start acting ruddy at on op- by opening weekend. They're solo and or harremed up with does already. Mm. You won't see the mature bucks, especially once they hit six or older, um, running in pairs unless it's them with like a younger, uh, maybe a year younger deer. Um, but by the second or third week, they're not even doing that. So this particular buck had held up at the the best spot on the ranch for the rut, which is where the big deer always tend to, to be early in the season, uh, big open field that we have. He'd been there all through velvet, generally in there with a, a, a mature, probably five-year-old eight-point that he could clearly whip if he chose to. Um, when I pulled the cameras... Uh, getting ready to hunt this past weekend, I found that the last time he had been where I expected to find him was August, I mean, October 20th, October 20th. So going on two weeks prior, he had been in there with the other old buck that dad wants to let die in the field that we call LA because his beams kind of have a wave to him that looks like the LA Rams horns on their helmets. And um, they had been in there together for the first time you know, all quote season, you know, through the velvet antler growing process and all that stuff. They were in there for one morning together, which was cool because it let us get so a good So they were sight. buddies. Well, last year they were running together most of the season. This year they had been in separate areas until this one morning. But then by October 21st, from that point till, to, till Sunday of last week, neither had been back to that spot. Mm-hmm. So it leads me to believe at some point they got a little tired of each other's company. And from, hey, it's been fun drinking beers together, but now I kind of want to shank your ass. Exactly. You could, yeah. If they had continued to hang together, there would have been a brawl. So, stabbing. Yeah. LA ran north to the next blind, which is a known dough hole. And I figured I'll find Riley's buck at the blind straight to the south, which is also a dough hole. When I say dough hole, these are blinds that always have six, seven, eight does hanging around. That's where you're going to find mature bucks a month before the rut starts. They're already, they know where the does are supposed to be. They're looking for them a month before any of the other bucks know what's going on. Mm. So I waited until late Friday night to pull the cards one more time. Season open Saturday morning. And sure enough, he had been, I didn't have any, somehow I didn't have any pictures of him for like 10 solid days. But on November 1st, that morning, Uh, middle of last week he had been where i expected to find him but then that day friday that morning he had been at the next blind to the south of that all the way in the far south corner of the ranch which you know i say that it's half a mile from where he was originally where he had parted ways with his old drinking buddy so now i'm in a pickle right well i think he'd been there thursday morning and friday night Friday evening at sundown, he had been back at the blind I expected to find him at. Right. So we had a conundrum. Do we do we assume he's going to jump back and forth between those two blinds, which Bucks will certainly do, especially as we get closer to the rut? Or is he? did he maybe run all the way to the south fence, finding nothing but a bunch of young Bucks there, and then work his way back up to the does? I went to bed thinking we'll hunt the far south end, because maybe he'll jump back there this morning, Saturday morning, in the a.m., and then hunt where he was Friday night in the p.m. Um, I used to not pray about hunting and fishing. 
because I thought that was a waste of God's time. And then a pastor told me once, you think God's got a limited amount of time? <laughs> he knows your heart's uh, desires last anyway. I checked, he was the beginning and the end, the Alpha and That's the right. Omega. There is no time in God's uh, existence. So Saturday morning, I woke up. I did add it to my, my morning prayers and I said, you know, we're just going to go. Number six is the blind. It's the closest to where he had been during velvet, where I knew there were does. I said, we're just going to go sit six until we catch him. If he goes to 10 tomorrow morning, so be it. If we play hopscotch, because my mom did this, mom and dad did this, I think our second year on the place where they chased this buck back and forth for 10 hunts until they finally intercepted it. And I was, if they had just picked one or the other, they would have been, they would have caught him in three hunts, right? Mm -hmm. So like we're just gonna hunt six till we kill him. Um, this is the most South Texasy ranch in the world, in that we have two feeders on every blind, <laughs> <laughs> one to the north and one to the south, generally. Uh, and the one on the north of this particular blind we were gonna sit him where the does were was the one I kept getting pictures of it him at, and there's no pin around the corn feeder. But the one to the south also has a protein feeder sitting next to it. So we keep a pin around it because dad's longhorns know how to climb into. Well, we had like a three foot high pin to keep the pigs out and the darn longhorns climb fences. So yeah, uh, we had raised that pin to five feet, <clears throat> which makes it real hard to shoot a deer. Um, but I had zero pictures on that camera at all for two weeks. Uh, I have come to realize the camera's too high and I need to fix that. Uh, so I think it's shooting over their backs based I've on noticed on my lease that, you know, they, the, the bucks are hammering, hammering, hammering that protein. And now, and, and like, I would have to f like fill it up. It seemed like every three weeks and I just have a 500 pound protein feeder. I filled it up like three weeks ago and it looks like they barely touched it now that they're thinking yeah. about the rut. Oh, you're in, in the, the rut, corn, right? But so... they don't, they're like, ah, I'm not interested in the protein. That's why bucks will lose 20% of their body weight at a minimum during the rut. They just stop mm -hmm. eating. Yeah. Um, they don't need protein in particular because their antlers are done growing. They're They've got a one track, on one track mind. So <clears throat> what I like to do, especially in the early season, I don't go blasting around spreading out corn. If I've got a mature buck, I'm trying to get a look at because we haven't been doing that. And I'm comp I'm positive. Um, based on my own personal experience, that if you just slip in and out, you're you got a better shot of finding a big buck than if you blast a bunch of corn around at six a.m. and they're used to a nice quiet morning until the feeders go off, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I also try to work my windows where I mitigate wind and also break up our silhouette. So, in other words, when we got in there, I only opened the north-facing window where I'd had pictures of him, where the does tend to aggregate. And we climbed in there, the way the moon phase worked, there were deer already at the peak was when we got in the blind at dark at really before shooting light, we had some young bucks coming out and every one of them, I was like, Riley, Riley, cause they were nice young bucks. And I was like, wait, never mind, That's not him. Uh, those awesome vortex binos can only show you so much in twilight. Mm -hmm. Um, but I had told her we got to keep an eye out back just in case he ends up coming out to the feeder pen. And at that time she looked back and the windows are all like nasty and crusty and she's like i can't even see that thing well it, there's probably a five minute difference between the two um i don't like i don't make a real hard effort to s perfectly synchronize all of our feeders you know so at 7 a.m the well actually it was 8 a.m because the time hadn't changed yet the feeder behind us goes off 
and probably a couple minutes goes by and I finally turn all the way around and look behind me and darn if that buck's not 50 yards below us walking up the up the hill in the road to the feeder pen crap walking away from you walking away from us straight to the feeder pen uh there's already another buck in there two spikes came out so i get up i fold up my folding chair get it out of the way she pivots around in the office chair i slide the window up we work to get the rifle out she's shooting 270 is that right She's shooting my 30 out six now, actually. Okay. She used to shoot her mom her grandma's 270, but she's she likes my 30 out six, and that means we don't have to mess up Nana's fancy gun. Uh-huh. So she gets her gun out right about the time he's hopped into the feeder pen. And by the time she's on him, he's standing directly under the feeder, basically facing us. And this is not ideal because as I said, there's a five foot hog panel fence in front of him. Have you ever tried to shoot through that? I have. I mean, we all have, right? But a guy on Instagram sent me a picture of a, a shot in half feeder pin, and he was trying to shoot the biggest buck he'd ever seen this past weekend. He was like, well, learned my lesson the hard way. Buck was years- fine. Just, you know, but he, yeah. he didn't. Yeah, it is it. what it is. Yeah. A few years ago, I, there was this awesome picture going around Instagram that I know you saw of a bullet exploding mm-hmm. on a feeder pin. I actually screwed up. I had a terrible call three seasons ago, probably. I say terrible call because he had like four points, tiny little four points on one side and then a beam that went straight down and curved back up on the other side. I'd been trying to kill that deer for like three years. He was a, he was actually a mature buck, probably hurt his pedicle as a yearling or whatever. Well, I had shot him trying to take a headshot on him, leaning out the wrong side of the window because Charlotte was sitting with me and blown his jaw off and knocked him down. So then he's laying on the in the bottom of that feeder pen, and I've got a shot at the white patch of his throat. So I squeezed that one off, and that was being videoed. And what I didn't realize was the very bottom of that paneling was a three strand instead of I think those squares are like four by four, probably right, four inch yeah. squares. Those hog panels. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that the very bottom had a triple strand, and so where I thought I was, I had a gap to shoot through. I split a bullet. Maybe that's the shot that blew his jaw off. It didn't end well, is the main point. So as she's drawn down on this buck, Stabby. shooting through, the, like, aiming through the fence, I told her, all right, pick a spot on him, Riley, and tell me if you can hold in the square. And she's aiming. She's like, yeah, I think I can. I was like, all right, when he gives you a shot, whether it's straight in the shoulder or a double lung, take either one. Only if you are positive, you're not going to hit the fence. Well, so then he moseys off to the left. I get my chair set back up, back behind her where I'm not touching her, but where I can't see out the window without like craning hard to the left. And um, he moves moves out to the left, and there's a bush that I need to go cut down that completely obscures the left-hand side of the pen. But that meant that he eventually walked his way back to the right and was perfectly broadside. And I don't even know what I was looking at. I, I might have been looking at her. I might have been trying to get my binos adjusted, but all of a sudden the shot cracks, and I've got my suppressor on my 30-06 so right when the shot goes off I finally get my binos on the deer and I watch him run to the back of the pen like nothing had happened and then stop behind the feeder up against the back fence um, we also have <laughs> there's also a cottonseed pro cottonseed feeder in this so there's technically three feeders in this pen used to be the, four <laughs> the deer are well taken care of well taken care of well fed so he's behind he's between the cottonseed behind the spinner feeder the, co- the corn feeder behind the cottonseed basket, which is empty, up against the back fence. And he's just looking around like nothing happened. 
I have shot over deer's backs and blown up a doe's head and not had my deer run off with these suppressed rifles. So I just figured she must have split the bullet. You're making yourself sound like a really bad hunter, just throwing that out there. Like, was Maybe there was some context, like it was like a 500-yard shot. You just said you shot over a, a deer's back and hit a doe behind it, right? On purpose. There was a buck and a doe. Oh, okay. sorry, there was a sorry. buck and a doe like 30 yards from that. <laughs> I misinterpreted. I was like, I was like, Chisel, maybe don't say that, that you missed this deer so bad that you smoked the doe in the head behind it. You sat this blind I'm talking about. It's Savages. the double blind where you sat with Henry. The other blind that we had as an option for this buck, in fact. If you recall, Henry you look to the, the east, there's a draw. <laughs> there's a draw, and then it tracks uphill. So there was a buck and a doe close to the blind, and then it was a 180-yard shot. Right, right. The doe that I was shooting at was elevated back behind the them. So. point is the buck didn't run off after you shot it. Nothing, nothing ran off. Everything just kind of glanced around and they looked back at the doe. I think they heard the doe's head explode, you know, more than they heard the <laughs> rifle because that's where they looked. They looked at her, not at me. The point is this buck standing in the back of the feeder pen looking around like nothing happened. The mature eight point he was with jumped into the brush. The two spikes that were in there jumped out of the pen, but then stood there. So he's looking at them. He's looking around and I'm like, go ahead and reload, Riley. We're going to have to take another shot. He must have ricocheted that bullet. And... You know, because he was totally calm, I kind of I've totally expected him to go back to feeding. I bet he stood there for 10 seconds, and I saw the first twitch. Hmm. You know how they get when they're starting yeah. to black out? And before he hit the ground, I was like, he's dead, Riley. He must have double-lunged him. He's going down. He's going to die. And then sure enough, he gets starts to stumble, f- falling backwards. His butt falls. His head goes up, and he just drops dead. Didn't move again. Dropped awesome. dead right in front of us. Perfect double-lung shot. Threaded through the fence. Got it done. First day, first that time was amazing. we've done So that. I was sitting in my blind in West Texas, and I'm expecting this to be one of those deals where you have to chase this deer around for, you know, 10 sits or whatever, trying to figure out where he is. And, I mean, the first thing I get is, it's probably, I don't know, 8.30? Yeah. Maybe 9. I don't know. It was early. And then I just get a yeah. text of her with the deer. I'm like, son of a gun. Got it on the opening morning. That was awesome. Sure did. Yeah, sure did. Biggest deer y'all have ever killed on the ranch. For sure. So I had field judged him at about 167 probably three weeks ago. Mm. Um, Knocked him down, uh, got the family out, took all the pictures, headed back to camp. And all we had, I used to have one of those wires somewhere that you used to like track the beams and stuff. You know, for anybody who doesn't know when you're scoring a deer, you have to follow the natural curves of the antlers and stuff. And so a wire or a piece of string or something works really well to then measure. You measure that after you've tracked it all off. And I used to have one of those. I don't know where it is. So all I had handy was this really heavy-duty steel tape measure. I stretched it across the width of his antlers and came up with about 20 inches. Halfway tried to track his beams. Conservatively figured maybe they're 24, 24 and a half. I was thinking they were greater than 25. Taped out his G3s and was coming up with 10 inches, 8 inches on his G4s. I added up a revised estimate. Being conservative, came up with 163 and a half. But I really thought 165 to 167 would probably be the actual number. Well, I entered them in the Las Cazadores contest down in Pearsall, which we have to pass through every time we head down, which I do every year. And they use one of those cool electronic scoring systems. They take, you know this obviously, but... They have this laser system that creates a 3D rendering of the antlers. Mm -hmm. And then on a computer, the gal who runs the contest and is the general manager of Cazadores, I think her family owns the whole outfit. 
Her name is Bailey Dunks. She's been she's measured every set of antlers that I've taken there. Uh, she can then take the 3D rendering and she can do the drawing of these curved lines on the 3D rendering and the three and that the computer system generates the score. It's really right. cool. So she's working through it and at one point she goes, "He's gonna score pretty nice." Just real casual, you know. She's a young gal. I mean. I doubt she's our age, late thirties, maybe. Like I said, yeah. she's measured several sets of antlers for these girls. At one point, I'm looking at what she's got so far, and it's got the width measurements, inside and outside spread, and all that. And I see the inside spread's 21 and an eighth. I don't know how I was an inch off, even with the steel tape measure. But I go, does that thing say his inside's 21 and an eighth? She's like, yep. Like, oh, wow. Damn, that's that's gonna change my estimate, right? <laughs> she gets done with the whole thing. And she looks at me and she goes, so what do you think he scores? I said, 165. And she looks at Riley. She's like, what do you think he scores? She said, 163 and a half. She unveils it for us and it's 172 and seven eighths. Dang. Gross. Yeah. Two kickers, only one of which scored. The other one was under an inch. So you take that deduction and it was 171. True Boone and Crockett. Let me ask you this. I know there are certain deductions on Boone and Crockett, like for example, um, you only get the shortest of the like. If your beams are different lengths, you get the shorter of the two, right? Right. And there's something about the width and the beam length, and I don't remember that. Um, maybe the I think I think if your beams are shorter than your width, then you your width gets to deduct reduced too. But like time length difference, if your G twos or G threes are different lengths, is that a deduction? Is every asymmetry a deduction? I, yeah, well, I, I think so. I believe that it is. True but, net, he was a one sixty five. Yeah. True net net of all asymmetries, a one sixty five. But he's a pretty damn symmetrical deer. Yeah. But nobody cares but about who, all that. Yeah, who cares? The point he's is the bone, right? The contest, yeah. the contest is straight gross score. So he's a one seventy two and seventy eight seven eighths. We can call him a one seventy three. Uh, we high fived. We were stoked. Biggest deer that anybody in our family has killed so far. I taped out at 170, 163. Maybe he's got a few more inches than that. I try to be as conservative as I can. But anyway, yeah. Um, we're going to call him a book deer, even though you can't enter anything in the book since we've been fenced in. And technically, a book deer has to net 170. But whatever. The, uh, the, I would imagine that the next time we roll through Pearsall, Riley will be in first place in the youth division. Yeah, there's some gigantic bucks that ten year olds are killing every year in South Texas. So I think she'll finish in the top five pretty easily. She probably gets a special jacket for busting one seventy two. So that's so awesome. So now yeah. though, but her uh, she's got to be put on the back burner because her sisters right. are going to kill the next big ones. I told her her trophy hunting career is done unless she picks up a bow. She gets to guide her sisters and cull deer. At least until everybody else has gotten their 170 or 165 plus, in which case then we'll circle back around to her. She's not real stoked about that. <laughs> um, the cool thing is both her and Charlotte, man, like when they're drawn down, they're rocks. Their heart has to be pumping, but you don't see them shaking. Like they're not breathe. They're, they're calm-ish. I mean, pretty damn calm. But man, when that buck dropped in our in front of us, I got a video of her right after that shaking like a leaf. She couldn't open her iPhone. That's because awesome. her hands were shaking so bad. Well, so, and that's what hunting's all about, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, there's my, my, there's my so many wonderful byproducts of the whole phenomenon. 
yeah. of killing your own food, but it's you can't replicate that feeling. There's nothing in the world like it. There's, One of the best is the medium rare tenderloin we're going to eat back, tomorrow right? night. Yeah, medium rare tenderloin tomorrow night. My grandfather said, you know, if you could bottle up that feeling, that shaking, that feeling she had right after that, you could sell it for infinite amount of money. Right? It'd be the most sought after drug in the world. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt about it. But unlike uh, real narcotics or barbiturates or whatever, this is just something your body produces naturally when you smack a big deer. Only one way to get it. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome, man. I love it. I love it that you you celebrate that in, in that you are passing your passion down to your girls. Uh, it, my son is not a rock like that. Um, he's He's killed four animals, and he has not missed um like four deer size animals but last year like i said all right henry right behind the shoulder with the 243 wearing a pop-up and he's shooting off a tripod boom the deer drops great shot son high five in it's a nice eight point on our deer lease get up there and there's a massive hole in the deer's neck <laughs> henry where were you aiming uh right behind the shoulder where you told me dad okay better to be yeah. lucky than good yep so there's a little buck fever right there yeah but you know, the point was he dropped it just like he dropped the one at your place. Where then he we got to drive the the my truck through the mud because I told him we don't have to track the thing. And it was uh, good that we found that broken off antler when he took that. Yeah, so thing. I alluded to that earlier. So I, and we might have mentioned this on the show. It's amazing that we've almost been doing this three years now. But uh, hmm. uh, when Henry shot that buck yeah. at your place, yeah, that was his first buck that he ever shot. He killed two does before that. And uh, he shot it and dropped it. The thing was still laying there kicking. And I was like, okay, we need to put one more in him. And But he was facing where his antlers were facing us. But you could still see, like, I was like, put one in his chest. Shoots it. And we get up there, and he had shot part of the <laughs> the rack off. Luckily, we found it, and taxidermists fixed it right up for him. We taped Almost it lost it picture. again, and then found it in the back of a truck. But, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. It was just, well. <laughs> Um, but yeah, awesome stuff. What, um, let's move on here because we're, we don't have all the time in the world today, but we need to address this topic and we have not done, we've kind of been slacking on this one. You know who, uh, Jenna Ellis is correct. Yeah. I think she's a former Trump attorney who turned state's evidence, I guess, and pleaded guilty to nonsense. So apparently pleaded guilty to election interference in Georgia unbelievable so what do you what do you make of that so i, I, mean, I haven't I have a, a theory but i haven't ahead. done a deep dive to the bottom of it but from what i understand rico is basically the the federal law uh against organized crime rico was passed to bust up the mafia basically right um and the way that the law works in this country is that you'll have a federal law and then states will implement the law because the as we've de- detailed repeatedly, the Constitution gives the police powers to the states. There's federal crimes that will be prosecuted by federal prosecutors, and then a lot of times the states will take a law like RICO and internalize it. Well, however Georgia adopted RICO, they have some sort of super expansive definition of RICO, um, where they're, char- they're alleging that there was a conspiracy to commit this uh, election interference, basically. Um, so it's a RICO charge of conspiracy to commit election interference that like 
what, 18 different people, including Trump himself, have been brought up in, on by Fannie Willis, the leftist prosecutor in Atlanta, uh, in Fulton County, uh, to try to go after this whole crew. And at this point, I think, what, three of them, including Jenna Ellis, uh, also including the Kraken lady, um, what's her name, most recently? Mm, I don't know the Kraken. Um, the lady so why who, did she plead they guilty? Release the. My my hunch is I again I haven't dove in all the way to the bottom of it, but my hunch is. Well, first of all, they offered her a deal. They offered all these people a deal. If I'm not mistaken, none of them are going to jail. If they are, they're going for a very short, like thirty, sixty, ninety day stint, something like that. Do you but believe exchange, that there wasn't election interference? I don't believe. First of all, I don't believe that. What they did, uh-huh. they recruited alternative electors to contest the election our process is so weird right like we think we have a democracy but at the end of the day the electoral college can actually do whatever they want they are not legally bound Mm -hmm. unless a state passes a law that says they are and many states have to actually vote in the electoral college based on the state's democratic vote right supposedly biden won georgia the electors that were appointed would go then therefore and vote in the electoral college saying Georgia went to Biden. This group recruited a, 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 a council of alternative electors. Mm-hmm. So there's evidence, audio tapes and emails and things showing that they had, and they've got these people's testimonies. However, the Democrats have done the same thing like three times in the last 40 years. Stacey Abrams is still walking around free. Yeah, but I'm talking specifically about the idea that alternative electors were recruited. Okay, they did. The, the Democrats did that in the state of Hawaii during one of JF during JFK's election challenge. I think it was maybe it was RFK. Well, no, RFK got assassinated. One of the Kennedys. They test. They they did the same thing. They impaneled alternative electors to contest the outcome of again. I think specifically Hawaii, and then I, if I'm not mistaken, they did the exact same thing. In fact, I know they did. Because I heard Alan Dershowitz, Harvard Law Constitution professor, who was part of the legal team for the Democratic Party in 2001 that was challenging the George W. Bush election based on the all the stuff in Florida with the hanging chads and all that, right? Right. They impaneled alternative electors in that case. Now, they ultimately laid down the sword when the Supreme Court ruled that there was no grounds for the challenge and they let the day pass. But what this group did is no different than any of that. Now, maybe there's a law in Georgia that says that that wasn't legal to do. I've never been made aware of that. But it seems that what they did was they got they bought out. I had heard a month into this that these people had already incurred a quarter million dollars worth of legal fees. To fight this charge would have cost these people, would have bankrupt them. Mm-hmm. If they plead guilty... They will get essentially no jail time to speak of, and they turn state's evidence because what Fannie Willis wants is Donald Trump's head, right? Right. So there's the this obviously, I mean it's it's not like it's hard to see through that, but uh, yeah. The yeah. only question is, do any of these people actually have anything that will be damning to Trump in in his case? Right. I mean, that's the whole point. Why would she, why would she flip? Well, okay. You said, well, 
maybe it's going to bankrupt them financially ruin them but i i think really it's just obvious that we have this election coming up it's too many more how many more black marks can we put on trump's reputation to discredit him and say that he's an election denier and tried to steal the election first and foremost they got guilty pleas which they can promote from now until next november to say look they admitted to what they did regardless of what that actually means i believe think that the average american interprets that there'll be what they're gonna here's what i believe i believe the average american sees guilty plea for election interference they were trying to steal votes in georgia right yeah and now with them that the average person is going to assume i would think have you seen the new polling that the new york times just released no so just like two days ago the new york times released a new poll it's called the new york times sienna poll that showed that in the six major battleground states across America, Donald Trump is currently winning five of them. He Which is, one is Biden winning? Uh, Wisconsin. <sighs> um, the more, check this out, the more racially diverse a state is currently, the more heavily Don- Donald Trump is favored. Hmm. He now has basically a 50-50 split on the Hispanic vote. And he's currently polling at 22% among the black vote. Those are catastrophic numbers. The only states where Biden's lead was better than, than, than Trump's leads were the whitest states in the survey. The whitest, most progressive states. Dumbass, woke white people. So they've, oh, and people under 30 have broken for, for Trump all across the country, according to this poll. I can't believe you haven't seen anything about it, dude, because the media has been freaking out. Uh, right. David, Axel, David Axelrod, who was the architect of the entire Obama uh, administration, you know, election campaigns and PR system, has publicly put out a statement as of Sunday saying Biden, for the good of the country, needs to step aside. Um, they're calling these wow. polls. Basically, he won't, uh, won't, won't step aside, but you know what he will do? He'll probably just wake up dead conveniently for them yeah like we've predicted all along he's gonna he's he's not running they know they can't run him and i don't think and you've always said well the biden family is going to be the fall guy well yeah okay hillary wasn't and i don't think the biden family will i think they'll just kill him that'll be that so they have other options um i listened to a guy a while, a little while back now, named Chris Steyerwalt, who some people may remember was the longtime Fox News uh, election uh, expert, who they fired right after last uh, the 2020 election because he called Arizona before anybody before when like 60 percent of the votes were in, he was already carrying mm-hmm. calling Arizona and therefore the election for uh, Biden. Right. Well, regardless of all that. He's one of the smartest historians and smartest political minds, uh, election minds that I've really ever run across. And he painted several different portraits. They could get him to drop out of the race now and just agree to serve out his term and have to run on a primary. And you'd have Gavin Newsom and who knows who else jump in, right? But I don't they think can... his ego will let him do that. Just like, just like Donald Trump has a huge ego. Joe Biden has a massive ego. So here's the thing. Even man. in his dementia ridden state, that man is not going to just say, I, because you know what he is? Well, if he admits that, he's saying, I am mentally incapable of running this country. He's not going to do that. 
You're not gonna I do don't that. think he. I don't think he's capable of making any of those decisions in the first place. He's on autopilot. I don't think he's he personally that. is on autopilot. His family, his handlers, some other powers that be that like a zombie president so that they can actually run the country, maybe propping him up. Um, sure. To your point, I mean, if you're a dementia patient, you don't know you're a dementia patient. Right? So he probably thinks he's perfectly comp competent and sounds like a genius every time he steps up to speak. <laughs> but the here's the bottom line, dude. As always, the Democrats project, right? They claim to be the party of democracy, yet their own primary system is so rigged by these super delegates that they can basically dictate the outcome. That's what they did to Bernie Sanders in 2016. Right. Everybody knows that Bernie got screwed because the Democratic machine was going to elect Hillary whether she won the votes across the country or not. And he was forced to, to step to bow out because they would never let him win it. At the Democratic National Convention, which is next summer, I think it's in June, the delegates of the Democratic Party from all 50 states will meet and they can pick whoever they want. So it actually doesn't matter if Joe steps down or not. They can run as the Democratic nominee, whoever they want at that point. He doesn't even have to bow out. They can remove him. Hmm. If he doesn't bow out between now and then, bet your ass that's what's going to happen. And the question okay. will be, well, do they convince? Do they convince? If he's given that alternative, then I guess he would say I'm bowing out. Yeah, I, I mean, think, I, dude, I, st again, I still think they're just going to kill him because also he's a liability with all the stuff coming also out with his just family. Die. Dude, like, yeah, die in quotation marks when they kill him. <laughs> uh, Seems to me if they just you, took you him off whatever to me drugs on the uh, and on our on our text conversation, like, and I have been seeing this, like, there's more and more evidence, and like, there's a paper trail of the financial transactions between who. X person and the big guy. So that evidence is stacking up. How long can he tread water? Yeah, in the last month, two checks have been released that were deposited into Joe Biden's accounts. Um, I think both were from his brother, Jim Biden. The second might have been from Hunter or from some, might have actually been from a one of their shell companies. The first one was definitely from Jim. Dude, this so there was a Watergate look like such a drop in the bucket. Well, this is the biggest corruption that the country has ever been made aware of. And nobody in, in the Democrats, people that voted for him don't even care. They have such little it's moral gross, fiber, little integrity. They don't have any integrity that they don't care. The Trump derangement syndrome is so great that they have elected the most corrupt politician in American history and they just turn. A blind eye to it. Who's also a racist and an alleged sexual assaulter uh, who likes to sniff children and a whole bunch of other terrible stuff. Um, who somehow is a Catholic yet was applauding the fact that yesterday Ohio uh, added to their constitution abortion rights. Uh, and if that's not a sign that we're facing the end of times, I don't know what is. But getting back to these checks. So Jim Biden, it was released about three weeks ago, had cut a $200,000 check to Joe within 24 hours of having been paid by I think a healthcare system or like a health insurance outfit that later went bankrupt. And I mean like within months went bankrupt. 
So Jim Biden gets a big ass check for services that no one knows what they were from some sort of healthcare conglomerate right before they went bankrupt and turned around and cut a $200,000 check to Joe. The memo line of that check read loan repayment. So the first thing that the Republican committee on, you know, oversight committee, the Jim Jordan group or whichever one is leading that particular group released was one that had a notation on it saying loan repayment. And so of course the left-wing machine ramped up saying, look, it says loan repayment. Simple as that. What are you even doing? No evidence has been provided to prove that a loan ever went that I'm aware of from Joe to Jim, Mm -hmm. but set that one aside because then last week, I think it was last week, might've even been the week prior now to your point about us not keeping up on, on top of things, a $50,000 check was cut. This one I think came from a company to Joe, which already becomes sketchy because Joe wasn't a member of this company, right? Well, that money can be directly tied within like 48 hours to a half million dollar payment from a Chinese company. Happens to be the same Chinese company that text messages, which were released this past summer from Hunter Biden, was shaken down by him where he said, I'm sitting next to my father and we expect our payment immediately or you will find that my vengeance knows no boundaries and something or other, this and that, right? Right. That was a half million dollar dispute. So he made a threat in a text that he was sitting next to his father and they demanded their payment or there would be hell to pay within... Uh, I, I So I think that it might have been a total of $5 million and they were expecting a half million dollar down payment. Either way, the half million dollars came shortly and then several more million came a few months later. Well, when the half million dollar deposit was made from that company to whichever shell was holding it within 24 to 48 hours, a $50,000 check was cut to Biden. What's $50,000 of a half a million equate to on a percentage basis? What is that? 10% to the big guy. Here's your 10% to the big guy. That's where that stands. Now, what has been dominating the news this entire time as these checks get leaked out? Oh, well, I mean, first it was Hunter Biden was only selling the illusion of influence, which I don't know. In the last month, since October 7th, when both of these checks were dropped by the House Republicans, what has been the most important thing in American news? Israel. Boom. So Hamas, which supposedly is backed by Iran, who the Biden and, o- and Obama administrations Hamas have given. Hamas is backed by Americans, bro. Like, didn't you see them marching in New York City or Washington, D.C.? Well, or I'm talking about financially backed. I'm talking about Americans financially Americans are back. cheering for the killing. It's like we're living. Oh, here is the Holocaust. They say history repeats itself. Well, man, I feel point. bad for the Jews. Jeez. Who does the squad support in this? Hamas and Palestine. Who does Not the left people. generally, who does half of the left support and certainly all of academia? Hamas and Palestine. My point is, a week before the first of these check, check, checks dropped, Hamas executes this psychotic coordinated attack where they paraglide into a concert and shoot a bunch of kids. And now we're at war. Well, Israel's at war with our backing. I can't help but connect those dots. Mm-hmm. I can't help but connect the idea that as the heat was ramping up on the Bidens, war breaks out in the Middle East. 
and the comp- the group that started it has direct ties to your point to the American left. It's interesting. So you're saying there are no uh, coincidences. I'm saying there are no coincidences. So I told you, but it sure is convenient that this news cannot break free because it's being completely overwhelmed and engulfed by the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. On another note, when talking about coincidences, I I told you opening morning. I was in the middle. It's pitch black. I'm in the the deer blind, and I'm in the middle of probably the most sincere prayer session I've had in years. I'm sitting there talking to God, and all of a sudden, I'm in one of those hydraulic swivel chairs, and the whole thing just collapses under me. (laughs) Yeah. And I said, "Mother," you know, and then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm. disheveled now and i'm i'm I've fallen over in the deer blind it's pitch black i'm making all this noise I'm like and this is the moment i was really invested the the most sincere in years talking to god and so i i got the other chair and i said not today satan because it wasn't a coincidence right and then i said but does satan have the power to to, to do that to interrupt that and when you said unfortunately yes but uh, but it wasn't a coincidence, I don't believe, right? It's certainly interesting. There are no coincidences, is what yeah. I'm saying. Like, did I talk about uh, the screw tape letters? No, I haven't. We've talked tape letters many times, wormwood and yeah, everything. Yeah. So C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters, this uh, book about these letters from a, a from a uh, senior demon to his protege. There are these moments where the guy's got a Bible open at a library and he he's like, make him hungry, make him think, start thinking about food. Right. Or some other moment where he's like, make a, you know, send a gallon a red dress by to break him free of reading scripture. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you ask it. It's an interesting question. Can the devil break your chair in the moment of deep prayer to pull you away from God? Um, Probably. But the question is, how do you respond? And the way you responded was to say, "Not today, Satan." And I think you said, "Get back and finish your prayer." Right? So, yeah, that's right. It's scary, though, that he has, if he has that kind of power to do that. But I, you know, God gives that ability to him. Look at all the evil and chaos and destruction in the world. He's got quite a bit of the uh, manifesto that just was leaked. Yeah. Talk about evil in the world. You want to go there now? Because I did sure. just finish my first ever uh, podcast, louder. my first ever Louder with Crowder podcast. Before we get to it, what'd you think? Oh, I liked it. He, I didn't th- know Brian Callen was a part of that production. Yeah, he's got it. I mean, so I mentioned before, Crowder himself is a comedian, and so he right. sort of runs in comedian circles. There's a couple of comedians that are regulars on his show. Um, I don't think Callan is a regular. Well, he's a regular, but he's not a daily regular. Like he pops in frequently, I guess. Um, I like listening to Callan. That's a smart guy. Could open his eyes to conspiracies a little bit, but I think he might be controlled opposition. Um, I don't think it was as funny because of no, the heavy funny show, the heaviness of the material. But, um, like I told you before, I think I think you would like his show in that it's current event news philosophy always mixed with ridiculous humor um 
But yeah, so supposedly one of his listeners managed to release to them these photo images of this quote manifesto. I, the word manifesto seems strange to me. It sounds like the rantings of a you know ranting diary of just a deranged sick lunatic. person. Um, it's not complete uh, from what I've heard. And there's likely more writings again, because apparently this person kept more of a diary. Um, yeah, but this this outlines the plan of the day right. for the mass shooting. From right. wake up, eat breakfast, check guns, make sure knife is sharp enough to break glass or whatever, and it and then kill kids. Hope that right. they are not hoping ready to get for like it. what, like seven minutes of shooting in before he, she, whatever was taken out and yeah. talking uh, lots of hate about white people, about Christians. Crackers, yeah. Blonde hair. So anyway, we knew at the time of the shooting that there was this, that this was out there. This existed. And it has been suppressed by law enforcement and I'm sure by a political party to keep it quiet. And somehow, here actual investigative journalism has occurred, and now the public knows about it. I don't know how much of the public has seen it, read it, or care. It's pretty dark. Like I, it might really upset some people to read it. But uh, if it was, I think the main point here is, if it was talking about killing black people, they would have. This would have been front page news. And that's not He's speculation. Be talking it's not it. speculation because that horrific church shooting in Georgia years ago. Now, we got that guy's sick manifesto, and the Christchurch shooting in Australia with a white days. supremacist got that manifesto right. I think the Muslim that shot up the gay bar. I think we saw what that person wrote. The you know kids that shot up Columbine. You, you go on and on and on, right? Yeah. If there's any white you know, quote, supremacy, white rage, you know, anything the left can use to, to, to their advantage, we seem to get it. But then when it's a deranged trans person going after white Christians, it takes a year for it to come out. And then when it finally does, it takes some sort of, you know, underhand, underhand is not the right word, but, you know, some sort of, uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for? I mean, it was cloak and dagger approach to releasing it. And now Crowder and the person, you know, now there's an investigation by the Nashville Police Department underway to figure out how it got leaked. But they acknowledge that it's real. I also heard today two cops have been allegedly, they're going to be fired for allegedly selling the manifesto. So, I, so then I went to Crowder's show today and he said, we didn't pay anybody for this it was given to us so if they're firing these two cops and it was actually candace owens that had tweeted that out that these two cops are probably gonna be fired he goes then they're firing the wrong people because we didn't get it from them if they sold well, maybe it the per else, maybe the person maybe. that crowder got it from bought it from them yeah yeah that's possible but he's like we didn't yeah. pay for it somebody gave it to us and then right. dude they were immediately while they're released so they're doing a live show of this and he's reading the manifesto nobody's ever seen it before google starts to scramble as as it's going out live scrambling the search for uh nashville manifesto can't look it up facebook immediately blurs out the images dude they were on it like that 
Yep. Only places that he could get it out uh, was Rumble and X, which you've talked a lot about Elon being a pawn in the game. But uh, I listened to that episode he did with Rogan recently. I got to give the guy a lot of credit for why he said he bought Twitter. Um, the way he yeah. laid that out and then expressed his firm belief that Silicon Valley is the beginning of the end of civilization. Yeah, I think he put it in almost a, a verbatim, those terms, uh, that they are uh, a virus a that will destroy, destroy civilization. Yeah. Um, I, you know, that one conversation turned me on Elon quite significantly. I still point out that his hundreds of billions of dollars were largely a result of various government subsidies and contracts. Um, I find it interesting that, you know, he can have like the most high level top security clearance in the world. Did I think it was that episode where he talked about in order to launch rockets because they're capable of carrying basically operating as an ICBM that he has to have like, yeah. like, like you department of energy, nuclear, uh, and, and department of defense, uh, you know, rocket approvals. Right. So my point is that dude is deeply in bed with the power structure and is spitting truth. Um, like I said, like you said, calling this a mind virus, pointing out that, that Berkeley, is the most hyper condensed wild ass leftist place on the whole planet. Mm -hmm. And that since that's the home and birthplace of all of these technologies, they're completely conscripted to this one world, you know, this, this, this singular ideology. Um, and you know, to your point, he had to buy X to free it up to be, uh, to bring some balance to all that. I'm still skeptical of the guy, but the way he brings the fire and the heat talking about George Soros, you know, backing all of this chaos by paying by, you know, when he explained how Soros's plan, I, there was a phrase he used for it, but that Soros has an acute ability to understand value and learn decades ago that a dollar spent on a local district attorney's race mm. is infinitely more valuable than a dollar spent on a presidential race yeah. that if you want to if you want to undermine our society and our culture that the best way to do it is to invade and infect school boards and county courts uh and that's the chaos that we're seeing bearing you know coming to fruition today like it was a dissertation man he also showed i don't know if you listened all the way to the end but he was pretty funny laughing a lot you know and like mm -hmm. um Maybe he too, like it, Brian dude. Callen, is just a voice of controlled opposition. Um, but I guess I'm happy that there's controlled opposition still. Uh, listening to it, I think he was more sincere than we've given given him credit for. Yeah, but two things can be true at once, right? Like he could be speaking yeah. what he knows and believes to be true, but still have some lines that he can't cross. Oh, yeah. I his, mean, by the way, he's still trying business. to develop this technology where you can communicate without talking to people. So that's a good example. That's a good example. Remember when we talked to a couple of few months back about him after moving out of California and, you know, just showering that state with, you know, righteous fury. All of a sudden he's mugging for the camera with uh, Gavin Newsom because Newsom broke him off a little deal to keep um, Tesla headquartered there or part of his Tesla operation there or something, the Gigafactory, whatever. Um, 
by and large, he's speaking the truth to your point. By and large, I believe he's sincere, but I just wonder where, what lines are, are not, what lines can he not cross in his pursuit of restoring civilization? And yeah, what about things like wanting us to be able to communicate without speaking? That's scary. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we've been trending that way for a long time. Everyone's always buried with their face in their devices, not talking to each other as a society is. And I think that leads to, by and large, unhappiness, right? It's not a fulfilling existence. Everything is online and half of it isn't real. It's a facade. No, it's wreaking havoc on mental health. And, and so then, here's and a perfect going back example. To the manifesto and this person like you, this, this tranny was never told no, was coddled, given participation trophies, probably got some, there's no doubt, somewhere, whether it was a parent or a doctor or somebody planted this seed of doubt, or with, hey, my face is stuck in my device. And on my device, it says all these trans people are happy and they're so courageous. And, you know, and they get all this attention online from a community of people that are so supportive. But by the way, people you will never meet and don't care about you. Well, certainly not. And and then you have this mentally insane person that is on some kind of uh, hormone therapy, which uh, it was funny on Louder with Crowder. One other thing he said was, uh, take the, oh, who was the guy that he said? It was a former wrestler that was known a steroid abuser. Killed him eventually, this rampant steroid use. The name of the guy doesn't really matter. But he said, that dude, his mental state with the amount of steroids he was on would pale in comparison to an actual woman getting male testosterone injected into their body. Think about that. If you think a a dude is roid raging and how unstable he is, put that in a woman's body that isn't designed to have that in its body. It's a foreign substance. You're going to F their mind completely up. That's what we're doing to these kids. For sure. It's a very interesting point. Um, obviously they tackled that a little bit. He, he, on Elon for another second, the other thing he talked about, which is so important right now is this transhumanist movement. We've talked about it. It's another mind virus of Silicon Valley where they want to move past our physical bodies and, you know, load our consciousnesses up into the internet, right? That's why they don't believe in biology. That's why they don't believe in male versus female trans transgenderism is an offshoot of transhumanism, which says that your body doesn't matter. Um, Dude, they're trying to get a they're trying to get rid of the word transgender. You can't say that they identify as a trans person because they want it to right. just evolve to where it's just he, she. Like we don't even acknowledge right. that they're trans. They're just whatever they say they are. So we can't right. even use. I guarantee you, that is the next thing. We can't say transgender anymore. I'm sure it's already been. I feel like I've already heard that too. But but the, the, the transhumanism pops up everywhere, right? The the climate change debate is an which I think he talked about is an aspect of transhumanism and that they want fewer people in the world because they think we're destroying the planet right. Yet simultaneously, his Neuralink project, which you mentioned, where we sh- are going to be able to communicate without speaking, is transhumanism. Mm-hmm. So, which is it, Elon? Are you anti-transhumanism, or are you on the spear point of it? Yeah, it's a fair question. Yeah. He's got a lot of irons in the fire. Some good. Speaking of trans issues and transhuman 
transhumanism, you want to talk about uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and Sam Harris, or you got yeah, I have so things? I've got fifteen minutes. Can we do it in that? I think so. And I got to get to physical therapy. These two guys I just mentioned, Sam Harris and, and Neil deGrasse Tyson, are two of the most arrogant atheist douchebags that I've ever come across in my life. Uh, Sam Harris was a member of what they what was called the the New Atheists. He and a couple of British guys who were like evangelical atheists who mock religion, not just religion, though, mock the concept of a creator. They're hyper scientific people who say if you can't prove it scientifically, then it can't be real They're, But they're condescending and gross about it. Right. And this guy, Sam Harris, is a neuroscientist who disavows the idea of free will. And basically thinks that we shouldn't be held accountable for our actions because everything we do is a product of biochemistry from a life of experiences, right? Yet at the same time, he's made a fortune selling an app about meditation that's supposed to help you make better choices. Hmm. I actually tried to give this guy a chance because, you know, Joe Rogan used to be good friends with him. And all the other guys, Sam, you know, Jordan Peterson used to hold him in fairly high regard and would have these debates with him about these issues, right? So I was like, I got to see what this guy's whole premise is. And I listened to like two episodes of his show and I was like, this guy's full of shit. Like I saw right through it years ago now, four or five years ago, that this guy is a pompous, arrogant douchebag with an obvious and clear agenda. He became mostly, he, he became really famous when he talked about how the Quran is basically a book of hate and, you know, the, the Muslim faith is uh, basically evil. And, you know, leftist, there was this famous clip of him on with Bill Maher years ago where he made, um, oh man, what's the guy from Goodwill Hunting? Not, um, not Matt, Matt Damon, Damon, but the other, ben not Affleck. the other one with Robin the Yeah, Ben Affleck. He made Ben Affleck freak the F out on Bill Maher's show when he was criticizing Islam uh, and made a complete ass of himself. So he's had some takes over the years that maybe what, Matt Damon and some was of, supporting Islam? Ben Affleck. Yes. Ben, what? Oh, Ben Affleck, ben Affleck was supporting Islam. Yes, because he's a leftist, right? Leftist right. supporters. So he's Islam. flying his Palestine flag, probably right now. Probably so. My point is, Sam Harris has had some takes over the years that, you know, he's been branded a right winger before, right? He is still going around right now. He and Joe Rogan apparently have fallen out, although he's willing to come back on Rogan's show. But him and Brett Weinstein, who they all used to be part of something called the Intellectual Dark Web, these you know, these free thinkers who like to have conversations and this whole, this dude's whole career had been around. We should have debates and conversations, right? Until COVID there's not allowed to be a debate about whether vaccines had any effectiveness or maybe are actually dangerous. Ah, here's why he and Joe Rogan fell out. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. He's now being confronted with the reality of the ineffectiveness of these vaccines. He's being confronted with the reality of the dangers and what he's still saying is one of the one of these conversations he had recently with these two British guys was, well, if you went back to that time and you just changed one simple factor, if children were dying of COVID instead of old people, then nobody in America would question or not whether we all had to get the vaccines. But wait, your political party wants to cut the dicks off of those same children. So why? Yeah, well, so, I mean, to me, like, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is, oh, you care about children now? I don't know where he stands on trans. I don't know where he stands on trans. Again, he he kind of crosses the aisle from issue to issue. The only thing he's consistent about is his is his militant atheism and his belittling of religious believers. Right. 
Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, on the other hand, will touch on the trans issue. But the point is, he's saying, if you change this one little bitty factor where it wasn't 80-year-olds dying, but it was 8-year-olds dying, then nobody would question the vaccines at all. And we'd, you know, you'd be condemned by society. If, and it's like, well, that's a really big factor there, Sam. And it's not reality. And it wasn't reality within the first month mm. of information that we had about this, because in April of 2020, is, uh, Italy released a study showing that the average age of death was 80, and that maintained through to this day. So you're as I've documented on the show, my kids, Aaron enrolled us in that antibodies test, and my kids in it would have been fall of 2021. We never we never knew they had COVID. They never had any symptoms whatsoever. But my God, yeah, I mean, dude, that's the point. Is like damn high antibodies on that test, but they were so sick. He was acknowledging the reality that it killed old people by and large, or right. really sick people. He well, was trying to argue. Weak and frail and fragile. He was, he was trying to argue old. that that everybody in America had to take a vaccine, and that we wouldn't even be having a conversation about it if the thing had been killing young people. Well, the right. fact is, it wasn't killing young people. So your entire premise is ignorant, right? <laughs> right. It's just it's just an it's nonsensical. It's, dumbass it's nonsensical. Argument. It's the dumbest argument ever ever crafted. Right. About that. We're just now, laughing at this guy. Now he's saying that Brett Weinstein, who's a biologist, who did his master's or PhD thesis on basically treachery within the drug testing uh, industry is not allowed to speak about these vaccines because he's not a quote unquote expert. So on one hand, a guy who's just a neuroscientist atheist is telling us that we were all supposed to get vaccinated. Oh, and he's also pointing out that even though maybe 20,000 young people died who took the vaccines, that that's negligible compared to the million people who died of the virus. So it's worth losing. Like he basically, he has straight up said, small potatoes, everybody has to get vaccinated. And if 20,000 perfectly healthy young people die, but it saves an alleged half a million other age people, then that's a worthwhile trade off. That's the mindset of the radical atheist left. Mm. You got to, can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs, right? Right. Doesn't matter what the, so, so he's saying all of that, that we're supposed to take the vaccines, but simultaneously saying Brett's not allowed to speak of it because he's not an expert. And he also says, and I shouldn't be speaking about it either. And so it's like, so why are you right? Meanwhile, Neil deGrasse Tyson three or four years ago was probably considered the number one public scientist in America. Mm -hmm. People flocked to him to listen to his brilliant oration. He's got this amazing charisma, right? And this hilarious uh, persona that he puts on, right? And he's, I guess, pretty pretty bright, and he knows a lot about astrophysics. Also, yeah, I mean, a militant he is atheist. an astrophysicist. Do it. He's an astrophysicist. Studied yeah. at Harvard University. Right. Uh, pursued further uh, academia at University of Texas and Columbia. So, yeah, he's a pretty smart guy. Oh, and then a post-doctoral research associate at Princeton. Jeez. Yeah. So this this scientific wizard who, again, mocks people who have a belief in something they cannot see is now militantly in favor of the trans movement, claiming that gender is a spectrum, <laughs> claiming that we should have 10 different divisions of every sport where we have various levels of trans competition and we base, you know, whether you it's get in or not based me. on your testosterone testing, Chism, it's et cetera, weird to et cetera. A scientist with all of that education is the one that's saying, but, but by the way, Dude, let's throw science out the window. 
That's right. He's throwing it out the window in favor of his leftism. And the same thing with the vaccines. He has been confronted on these two men are being exposed on a weekly basis as they go on these podcasts, thinking that they're going to have a an argument and having facts and figures and data and science shoved in their face that proves they don't know what they're talking about. And all they do is get angry about it. Neil deGrasse Tyson was on with Marr on his personal podcast last week mm-hmm. and Marr ripped him a new one, man basically saying, you're supposed to be the voice of reason on these college campuses. You're supposed to be the one that's the man of science, and yet you're buying in to this unscientific, unprovable, undemonstrable nonsense, like there's no such thing as men and women, and that somehow these vaccines are helping kids. Where? What is your problem, dude? It, it's. I knew five years ago that both these guys were completely full of shit. I knew it in my heart, and it, my basis for that was the way they spoke about the existence of God. They had an axe to grind, an agenda. They are militant atheists first and foremost, and all of their science is just aimed at trying to support their militant atheism. And now that we've had the fear of God put into society, they are taking these absurd... They have replaced God. We've talked about this. The new religion is called scientism. The scientists, the experts, they are the the Pharisees they are the priestly caste it's still, of the modern-day religion. An oxymoron, because they're not adhering to... The scientists are not adhering to the science. The phrase, trust the science. We've talked about this. How many times in the last three and a half years have we been told, trust the science? Trust the science. That's not science. It's not how it works. There was a guy on get Bill Moore two shot. weeks ago... you just had COVID, but get your shot. But wait, my antibodies say that I'm protected. No, but get your vaccine anyway, because trust the science. What? See, that's the funny thing is you're um, Sam Harris is moving about a degree at a time. He now acknowledges at least that if you already had COVID, then maybe you didn't need to take the shot, but everybody else needed to take the shots. Mm. Okay. So, so he's this wall that he has built is being chipped away at systematically where it's, it won't be standing much longer. What blows my mind is why anybody talks to him. I don't know why these podcasts where these people like to have real discussions and who can see through the BS bother even having a conversation with these two idiots they're not smart i don't think people think of just to blow him up even the guys who disagree with him will continue to say sam harris is a brilliant thinker but he's really kind of way off the mark on no he's not he's not a brilliant thinker and he's not interesting at all Mm -hmm. he's a militant atheist and that's his entire person i didn't i didn't know why you wanted to talk about these two guys um they're carrying the mantle right now for the religion of science okay there was a guy on Mar that was a politician, I think a mayor, last week, like last, like weekend before last, who said on the show, you know, I was wrong during the lockdowns for wanting the schools in my city to lock down. The data now shows that that was more harm than good, and I was mistaken. And he starts to tear up and get shake voice, and he says, but we were doing the best we could with the information at the time. And all these silly-ass liberals in that audience started uh, cheering and screaming. Believed, and it's like, believed no. Believed you up until that. Right. Liar. You weren't doing the best you could at the time because the data was abundantly clear from day one that the kids are safe. Mm-hmm. Abundantly clear. There's no denying that. So shut the F up, you liar. All these people are being forced to confront and spin what has happened in the last three and a half years to dismiss the fact that they, quote, trusted the science the way you and I trust in God, which is the antithesis of what the scientific method is in the first place. So Neil deGrasse Tyson and Sam Harris Harris are the most forefront avatars 
of the new religion of scientism. Well, at least the they are being discredited by. Yeah. I, dude, I mean, we've talked about how I don't watch Bill Maher, but when he says something like that actually makes sense from a leftist, because he is like we've talked about, he's the traditional dyed in the wool. Uh, 19, liberal 1950s 60s liberal mindset like yep and this and he he knows his party's been hijacked and so when he's willing to call it out like i, I like bill maher i like him a lot yeah man i agree with him all the time but i, I we've said i like before. anybody that's spotlighting the cockroaches in society and he's doing that within his own party yeah. which is why i'm surprised he hasn't been cannibalized yet because they eat their own so quickly one of the reasons you got to have some hope yeah well, interesting stuff uh, with those two cockroaches. I'm yeah. glad I haven't listened. It would just make me so mad. And th th these guys are actually well, the Sam Harris too, but he's he's discrediting Weinstein, and then but acting like he's an expert, but then saying, but I why? Am but he's I, not an expert, and he says <laughs> acknowledging he's not an expert, and well, yet you're supposed to listen to his take. Understand. That's what I'm saying. Is he doesn't make any sense? Yeah. Which get to the root of it, right? Everything I, I was listening, I need to finish it, but there was this mathematician um, philosopher guy on Jordan Peterson last week who has this way of twisting up an, of an atheist, right? He'll say to him, he'll say to an atheist, your brain is similar to a computer, correct? And they'll be like, yeah, it's a computing machine, basically. Yes, correct. They say, well, does a computer have a programmer? Well, sure, of course. And he says, well, if it didn't have a programmer, would you trust the outputs of the computer? And they say, well, no, I guess not. Hmm. So how do you trust what comes out of your own brain? How did your brain get there if it wasn't created and programmed the same way any other computer is created and programmed? Right. And he's like, then, then they, they just freeze up, just shrink away. Right. <laughs> These are men who have been arguing on the basis of science. That all of existence came somehow from nothing. Mm -hmm. So that's why, from the point I discovered both of them to today, I'm not surprised at all that they're now promoting things like that we should still be taking these vaccines, despite the fact that they never worked, despite the fact that they seem to maybe have done more harm than good, certainly in young people, despite the fact that whatever variant of quote-unquote COVID is running around now is not killing anybody. While they're simultaneously, at least in Neil deGrasse Tyson's, uh, on his side, arguing that there's no such thing as men and women, that it shouldn't be a big deal to let a person born a man who transitioned to female in his 30s beat the shit out of women in various sports. Like, these are the people of science. Yeah, some chick got her front, like all of her front teeth blasted out by a lacrosse player. Uh, this this week it's been all over the news. Guess who the oh. lacrosse, lacrosse player was? It was a dude. Oh. Shocker! Got her. Everyone saw that coming. Got her whole face smashed in. Man. Yeah, is that a high school uh, kid? Yeah, but there was. I mean, it's normal. They were just letting a dude beat up on girls and junior, senior in high school. Fine, they're the same physically. They're the same. Uh, we got to go. I got to get take care of this jacked up back to the physical therapist um that is going to do it for episode 149 of justified pursuit for the good counselor 
Chisholm Cook, I'm Cable Smith, and we will see you guys next week. Never trust an atheist. Lost our mind.